still recording whenever. Banter, banter, banter. Mm. Sorry, drinking. Tequila time. Ugh, God. Tequila time? Tequila time. So today, I've got Thailand for you. Thailand. This one um, kind of surprised me. So, takes place in Chiang Mai, uh-huh. which is the second most popular destination in Thailand. That's one of the few places I've ever heard of in Thailand, so. It's like that or Bangkok. Yeah. Phuket. Yeah. Which is, it's Phuket. No, it's Phuket. <laughs> I read this. I should know. Okay, so there's a hotel in Chiang Mai called Downtown Inn. Three-star hotel. Okay, fancy. I tried to look up reviews on TripAdvisor, but they're all gone. Okay. This happened in 2011, for reference. So, in 2011, there was a series of mysterious deaths at this hotel. Oh, great. I think in total, about seven tourists died at this hotel, so we got the nickname the Death Hotel. Oh, I want to stay there. So, it all starts January 11, 2011. Um, when a 33-year-old American woman died and her Canadian companion was hospitalized that was staying at the hotel. Mm-hmm. So initially, they went to the hospital being treated for food poisoning. But once all these other deaths started to happen, they're like, huh, this seems very similar. What could be going on? Sure. So fast forward to February 3rd, where a Thai guide was found dead in her room. Same hotel, found dead on the same day. Oh, a Thai guide. Yeah. Like, okay, like a tourist guide. Yeah. So, on February 3rd, mm-hmm. a Thai tourist guide was found dead in her room in the downtown inn. And on the same day, three young New Zealanders staying in the room next door to her became extremely ill. Damn. That's too many people in one day. They went to the hospital. So, the New Zealanders were on a three-week holiday together. Mm. And they went to the hospital with symptoms of food poisoning. However, one of the travelers, Sarah, quickly started declining when she got there and died from her heart swelling. Oh. There's a technical term for that. I forgot to look it up. <laughs> it's probably unpronounceable anyway. Don't yes. worry. Um, but oddly and luckily enough, her two friends survived. So so they all got sick, but she was the only one to decline and have her heart explode. Yeah, pretty much. And they all went to the hospital together. It was February 3rd, the same time the Thai tourist guy died. Do you know how long the people in New Zealand had been in Thailand when mm-hmm. that happened? It just said they were on a three-week holiday. I think they'd been there for a little while. It's just really sad when it's like, they went for a three-week holiday and it was the day they landed. That's my next story. Oh, God. Just wait. So so now we're at February 3rd and we've got three people dead, an American, a Thai guide, the New Zealander, and three other people who have become sick. Ten. All presenting food poisoning symptoms. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 13 days later on February 19th. An elderly British man and his wife were found dead in the downtown inn hotel. The hu- the woman, the wife Eileen, was discovered lying on the bed, while her husband George was sitting on the floor with his head resting on the bed. Mm. Dead. Um, authorities said the couple suffered heart attacks from the swelling of their hearts. Oh. Weird. That sounds familiar somehow. But and also, How old did you say they were? It's an elderly, I believe like the first article I read, they were like in their 70s. Okay. So had that other one not happened, it might have seemed like, oh, they're just old. Right. But, and, but randomly had dual heart attacks. So. Dual heart attacks. And I get it. Like when your husband of 47 years yeah. dies, you shortly die afterwards. But I doubt. That's true. That, like if the guy was having a heart attack and then that like stressed out. the Scared lady. her to death. Yeah. Literally. Well, 
still, what what a way to go that would be, but also sounds very suspicious, so go on. But anyway, so the couple's son reported that their, his parents were in great shape, mm-hmm. didn't have any heart issues, so he called BS on the heart attack claim. Right. Because he was like, no, no, I know my parents, they were in Thailand having a great time. So the initial report from the Thailand's Department of Disease Control said three of the victims probably died of exposure to pesticides. Uh-oh. Did you see that one coming? Because mm-hmm. I didn't. Well, only because all of the stuff that's been going on in Dominican Republic lately. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, but this one kind of caught me off guard. I was like, the last thing I thought I'd need to be afraid of is pesticides. No, for sure. And like... I didn't see pesticides coming, but because you said that, like when you said it, it was like, oh, yeah, must be the same pesticide going on in Dominican Republic. That's true. And, you know, I haven't really been following the Dominican Republican one recently. Yeah. Because I'm digging for some other stuff Hmm. that I realized just recently that they were contributing to pesticides. Yeah. But anyway, so I started to research pesticide poisoning. Um, The chemical to blame is aluminum phosphate. Hmm. Um, the theory is that the pesticide is used in hotels to kill off bedbugs, which oh, are resistant God. to bedbugs and oh. rats. Bedbugs make me want to vomit just thinking And bedbugs are, like, impossible to get rid of, and they yeah. thrive in these, like, hot, humid climates. Oh. So they're using the illegal aluminum phosphate to get rid of them. So the Thai authorities have responded that the pesticides aren't allowed or ever used in hotels. Mm-hmm. But other people have heard from other sources and other hotel operators that they are being used. Yeah. I imagine these are all, like, little independent hotels. Nobody's... There's no oversight of, like, what chemicals are you using? Well, on top of this, there's another story in Vietnam Mm -hmm. where two women die of pesticides. Oh, God. But they also claim that there's some cocktail drink that people make in these southeastern Asian party towns that Mm -hmm. has DEET in it. Oh, God. Which, I'll say that for another episode. Uh, You know when you, like, spray DEET on your body and then you go to, like, wipe your mouth or something and you get DEET in your mouth? Yeah. I don't want to drink this made out of that. Well, you ever spray DEET on your feet and your nail polish just melts off? Yeah. Yeah. My nail polish barely removes my toenail polish, let alone when you put DEET on it. Or you put your sandals on and then the plastic literally, like, rubs off onto your feet. Yeah, DEET will, like, wear holes through your backpack. Yeah. If I get cancer one day, it's probably because I rubbed DEET on my face. Yeah. I'd rather not be bit by a bug. Yep. So, yeah. So, I went down this rabbit hole of pesticides and DEET, and we'll save DEET cocktails for another episode. <laughs> we'll wait till my birthday for those. Oh, yes. So, the phosphine gas is notoriously lethal. It was actually used in the episode of Breaking Bad. They used it to kill somebody, I guess. Aww. I was not a Breaking Bad fan. No, so I- me either. But if you were, it's one of the episodes. Hmm. But the gas is colorless, odorless, and it carries no warning sign. Oh, that's fun. If something's it's really... It's like carbon monoxide, which I'm yeah. afraid of all the time because that happens in my house. But you know, like, they put an additive in gas to make it so that you smell the gas? Because yes. otherwise it's naturally natural gas. Yeah. not... It has no scent. So anything that's really dangerous, they need to add a scent to it so that you can tell. I've been terrified of carbon monoxide poisoning my whole life. Yeah. Because I just think, like, the one day I maybe turn the heat on, it's going to happen. Yeah. So now I have this to be afraid of. But can I tell you, I'm not, I'm, I'm afraid of everything, but I'm not afraid of carbon monoxide poisoning because it seems like the most peaceful way to die. Because you're asleep. You just fall asleep. Never wake up. I had to go in. Now I'm not going to sleep tonight because I'm going to be thinking about this. (laughs) 
and she is afraid of 10,000 more things than I am. Yep. I'm, I'm, <sighs> I'm so not afraid of a peaceful death. That is fine. That is fine. But anyway, so what the, what the chemical does, it breaks down a range of enzymes and proteins in your body that are, and mostly the ones that are responsible for moving oxygen throughout your body. Great. Don't need that. So again, severely damages the heart. So correlates to some swelling heart issues, uh, breathing issues. And from what I looked at, there's no, no antidote. Like, uh, so if you come so in, if they figure it out before you die, you're still fucked. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. And when I was looking into it, I actually saw there was a result of quite a few deaths abroad. Hence the, the story of the women in Vietnam yeah. and in the U.S. Hmm, fun. Quick rabbit hole on that one. Uh, two little girls were playing in their backyard in, like, Utah or Texas or something. Fast forward, end up dead. Turns out the lawn guy used the chemicals. It was, like, supposed to be, like, a microdose of the chemicals in the yard to get rid of the bugs. Mm. And overdid it. Kids died. Do you remember a show called... I think it was called, like, A Thousand Ways to Die. Yes. Yeah. So, on that show, I don't know that it was the same chemical or not, but... There was this woman who, she grew wheatgrass in her yard on this little, like, raised bed. And uh, she would make wheatgrass juice from it, you know, as you did back in the 90s. And um, she did not know that her landscaper was spraying the wheatgrass with some pesticide, whatever. So then she is liquefying it and then drinking it every single morning. And it... It was just kind of slowly over time accumulated until she just died. Like one morning she took a shot of wheatgrass juice and died. And I wonder if that was the same chemical. That or Roundup. Yeah. But what, like, look at the irony. I'm going to take a shot of wheatgrass for my vitality, my vitality and immunity. And I then you're just you. slowly killing yourself. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think I saw that episode back in like, 2005 or something, and I'm pretty sure I saw that, and I went, oh, well, fuck trying to be healthy then, and then wasn't healthy for a long time. Store-bought wheatgrass only. (laughs) Organic. Organic. So, luminophosate is also known as a big problem across Asia and the Middle East. I mean, it's banned everywhere. It's banned in the U.S., banned in Asia. But the compound is sold widely as a grain fumigant as well as a handy pesticide. Mm. And it's not a surprise that it turns up often as a cause of death for accidental suicides and occasionally homicides. Oh, God. So, um, there was a study of poisonings in northwest India. And it cited that aluminum phosphate was the number one cause of poisoning deaths in that region. Oh, God. So I have some light bedtime reading to do at some point to kind of dig into these studies, but it's a problem. So it turns out that the government, Thai health organization, public health organization, initially said, like, hey, pesticide poisoning. Well, then it, like, happens to seven people. It happened at... A couple other people died at, like, a nearby resort, not the downtown inn. So the... Chiang Mai's head of public health joined the World Health Organization in an investigation mm-hmm. to probe into the downtown in deaths. Um, and they said the four deaths were caused by poisoning. However, in other articles and research I started to get into, the Thai officials kind of flip-flopped between saying it was chemical poisoning and food poisoning, mm-hmm. saying this hotel is right near the night bazaar. And people were going there and eating mm. this exotic seaweed that was poisonous. Oh, fun. Let's legally sell that to people. What? So, they say we could not determine which toxic substance killed them. It could have been food poisoning, pesticides, the result of fires to burn rubbish. 
Oh. Or related to other toxins. The evidence we gathered did not point to anything specific. Specific. <laughs> the ocean did not kill them. Um, which is crazy. So it's like, I don't know. I believe it's pesticides. I don't believe it's food poisoning. Yeah. Uh, to a certain degree, it's like, if they never pinpoint a definite cause, then they don't have to do anything about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't have to, like, root out all of the pesticides from all of these independent hotels. They don't have to do a big search on bootleg alcohol at all-inclusive resorts. Like, they don't have to check if there's a deet in the drinks. No, I just have to go places that don't have bugs. Yeah. So, you know, the the Thai government and the World Health Organization came back and said, you know, it's something. They don't know what it is. Sarah, the woman from one of the New Zealanders who ended up dying from heart Uh swelling... Her dad said he believes investigations are not being conducted properly and that they are just being done to save face and protect the uh, Chiang Mai's tourism industry. Yeah. Quoted, something so extremely dangerous, investigation should be brought in to look at everything that is used in the hotel. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where things ended. It was kind of like a toss-up. Mm-hmm. It depended on what article you read, whether it was pesticides or food poisoning or who was really to blame. But the zinger is, in 2012... The government demolished the hotel. Ooh, just get rid of that thing. So it has been torn down and rebuilt. I have not figured out the new name of the hotel. That's like the, that is the equivalent of actually sweeping something under the rug. It's like, just get rid of that hotel. Build a new one. I'm sure everything at this new one will be fine. Totally. New ventilation, less bucks. So I just think that says a lot when they decide to demolish the hotel. Yeah. Does our tourism really depend on this one hotel so much that they felt the need to have to demolish it? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too, is like often when shit's going bad at some hotel and lots of people dying or some really, really big tragic thing and they change the name of the hotel... So that when you go on TripAdvisor as an uninitiated tourist, you will not have any idea that that was the same hotel where, like, 50 people were murdered. Exactly. So demolish the thing. It's a totally new one. The pictures won't even look the same. And like I said, I couldn't really find any reviews when I looked on TripAdvisor. Yeah. No, I did find some, like, banter on Lonely Planet Mm -hmm. on some forums. Um, A couple people were kind of disputing the whole thing, saying the father of Sarah, the New Zealander, wasn't really following protocol with autopsies. They Mm. said, while seven travelers died, only four were at the hotel. Mm. But still, that's majority four out of three. Yeah. If a lot of deaths are connected to a place, something's going on and I don't like it. And then another person said, like, the girl from New Zealand was only at the hotel for a few hours, wouldn't have mm-hmm. enough exposure. I mean, maybe how it was much going exposure? to the market. But still. So it's it's pretty debatable. Yeah. But I'm I'm really going with some pesticide. Um, but also I wonder, I really wonder how it feels when your heart is enlarging before you die. Like, I wonder if it feels like a heart attack is coming on. I wonder if it feels like you're having a panic attack. I imagine it feeling like a panic attack. I wonder if your heart or if your blood pumps faster or slower. Like, I mean, I don't know that I really want to know. I mean, I can Google this. I never want to experience it. <laughs> uh oh, what? You know what the number one symptom of a dilated heart or it's enlarged or dilated is <laughs> shortness of breath and swelling of the ankles. Oh, God. So if you are short of breath and you are getting some cankles coming on. Rarer symptoms include dizziness and chest pain. God. So check your ankles. 
If you're dizzy. You could just be walking up some stairs. Out of breath. I know. Ankles swelling up. So many more things to worry about. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> so go on. Do you have any ending No, thoughts that, that's, or... that's really it. I mean, I'm now scared of dying of pesticides. Okay, so I have a couple of questions for you. Ooh. Have you ever climbed from one balcony to another? Oh, okay. Once. <laughs> Once. And it was like my sixth grade Spanish trip to Mexico, and they took us to Acapulco. Previously, we were in Mexico City. There was some educational components to this trip. Um, yes, as a dumb, got how old are you when you were in sixth grade? Like 12? Yeah, 12, something like that. You know, they separate us boys and girls, and we had balconies. Were you trying to sneak into a boys' room? We were all trying to sneak into the boys' room, yeah. They're like, <laughs> we were all trying to hang out with each other because they made us go to bed at like eight, and I think someone. Gotten booze? <laughs> Wait. Did you not have chaperones in your room? No. Okay. Cut that out. I was not drinking in sixth grade. <laughs> Did any of this actually happen? Or is like you saw a movie about it and you think it was your life? I was like vicariously living through something teens. No, I Your mom's think- going to listen to this and be like, Phoebe has never been to Acapulco in her life. Okay. So, yes. I have tried climbing balconies. Sixth grade Spanish trip. Acapulco, we have our separated boys and girls all trying to hang out. Uh-huh. Not drinking. Not drinking. Okay. It was like those cement, like, stucco balconies. Yeah, sure. How, like, how roughly how many stories up do you feel like you were? Oh, probably three or four. Ugh. It was stupid. Uh, okay. You answered that in the opposite direction where I thought you were going to answer. You're going to be like, no, I've never done it. I kind of forgot about it until you asked. So, next question is, have you ever jumped from a hotel balcony into a pool? No, that's dumb. <laughs> that's stupid. I'm glad to hear that. That's You can barely get me off a diving board. I felt like I didn't even know who you were, and now I feel like I'm okay again. <laughs> uh, I imagine a 12-year-old you jumping from a balcony, drunk, in Acapulco. <laughs> um, so... You were supposed to answer no to both those questions, and then I was going to say, well, that's probably because you've never been a drunk British male between the ages of 19 and 25 on a vacation in the resort towns of Spain. So that's what my story is about. And um, I'm not actually going to talk about a specific person who went on a vacation and never made it home, but I'm going to talk about a crazy phenomenon that has affected a whole lot of people's vacation plans. I'm talking about balconing. Have you ever heard of that? No. Is that like that thing where people jump off roofs and things? Remember what was that thing called? Yes. Balconing. No, no. There's another thing that's like, I want to say carpe diem, but that is not. (laughs) Like YOLO? (laughs) No, it's like. People jumping off roofs and shouting carpe diem. (laughs) Are they drunk 12-year-olds? No, it's not spelunking either. It's like... Oh, no. Are you talking about, like, base jumping? No, it's like a... Carpour. (laughs) Oh, parkour? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, parkour. Carport. (laughs) No, it's not parkour. carpe diem, parkour. You saw where I was going with this. People just shout carpe diem and then run up a wall. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no... That's not like parkour at all. <laughs> um, so 
Wikipedia defines balconing as, quote, the act of jumping into a swimming pool from a balcony or falling from a height while climbing from one balcony to another, performed by foreign tourists during holidays. So it's specifically only when you're talking about tourists doing this, and it is almost specifically to Spain. So... Most of the casualties have been young British and German tourists with traces of alcohol in their blood. Traces. 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 Well, I think by the time they uh, test their blood from their dead bodies, it's traced by then. But they were wasted when it happened, sort of thing. Incidents typically occur between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. And the average fall is from 8 meters or 26 feet. You just gave me two metrics. 8 meters and 25 feet. 26 feet. Uh, which I just, like, copied that from some website, so hopefully those numbers actually mm-hmm. align somewhere. Uh, They're high up. I don't think in meters, so I think in feet. 26 feet, the average. So some people fall from higher heights, some people fall from lower heights. But in 2010, in Spain, there were six deaths and 11 injuries in falls from balconies, which were identified as relating to balconing in the Spanish press. So 2010 is basically when this phenomenon kind of exploded. Before that, maybe a tourist or two had fallen off a balcony at some point. Is there like a hashtag on Instagram for this? There is. I will definitely get to that. (laughs) That was... 2010 was when it kind of really kicked off. And um, they think there was like an increase in balconing uh, since then because of video compilations of jumps that you can see on YouTube that are... I don't know if you've seen them, but they are horrible. They are videos of just compilations of people jumping off of, you know, the roofs of hotels into pools or from their balcony into pools. Uh, I watched one. It's insane. You think that the people are not actually going to make it into the pool. And clearly sometimes they don't and they die, but they don't include those videos. Um, in one of them, a guy had jumped and just barely, like, I am sure that he smacked his feet on the edge of the pool. So he was inches from maybe losing his feet. Uh, but it's estimated that since 2011, an average of 10 to 15 cases have occurred each year with roughly three deaths per year. And those numbers are all kind of skewed because balconing incidents generally happen in Mallorca or Ibiza. And so depending on which island you're looking at, the statistics can be different. So it was a hard it was hard to get a read on overall how many incidents there had been or how many deaths there had There's been. There's just a lot of idiots. A lot of idiots. So if you Google Spain and balconing, you'll find some really crazy stories about all the ways people have managed to fall off of balconies at hotels in Spain's Balearic Islands, which are Mallorca and Ibiza. Some of the balconies at these resorts, hotels, are just one long balcony with slanted dividers between them, so you can kind of see your neighbors. And so while it sounds crazy to jump from one balcony to another, in some cases it's really more like shimmying around a divider, which is still incredibly stupid when you consider you're talking about rooms directly next to each other, where people could super easily just say, hey, come on over, go knock on the neighbor's door, instead of climbing across a ledge. These are mostly two-star hotels (laughs) that are like 60 bucks a night. And uh, see, you know, the point of that is you can imagine they're generally pretty small rooms. 
So it's not like leaving the balcony to let people in through the front door is like such a hassle. You're not walking through the foyer. Yeah. (laughs) You're not like taking an elevator and walking through your mansion and like, I'll be done in five minutes. It's like, uh, you probably just have to like turn around and unlatch the door. But I can totally see it. Bros being bros. They're like, Mm -hmm. there's just a small divide between us. Go around it. Yeah, they want to impress the ladies, but... No, no, they just want to impress themselves. Yeah, I mean... I guarantee you this is just bros being But there are bros. also women who engage in balconying as well, though not as often. <laughs> they do. A hotel receptionist in Mallorca said, If you catch them, they say they've lost their room key, but mostly they're trying to get to a girl's room, or they think they can jump down into the pool. A lot of incidents that resulted in death didn't actually involve jumping to another balcony or into a pool at all. Uh, One of the first balconing stories that caught my attention was from September 2010, and it's actually really sad. And this guy was actually older than the normal demographic, you know, it was like between 19 and 24 or whatever, and this guy was 27. And it was 7.30 a.m., which I feel like by the time I was 27... (laughs) I was always asleep by 7.30. Like, I was not out hard partying all night long anymore. But, so this 27-year-old Kevin Lewis from Essex, it was 7.30 a.m. Him and four friends came back to their hotel room after partying all night on a Saturday. And in their fifth floor hotel room, they get home. He tells his friends, hey, count how long I can hang off of the balcony. (laughs) He flings himself over the rail and basically falls immediately. His friends reported that it all happened so quickly that they didn't even have a chance to try to talk him out of it. Or count down. Yeah, (laughs) count anything. He fell 30 feet headfirst onto a concrete ramp of a parking garage and all they could do was watch. So that'll sober you up really fast. Yeah. If your friend. Thanks for that buzzkill. And I just feel like he, if you see pictures of him, he is like a party guy. Like he's just like, you can tell he's probably like, you know, life of the party, class clown, whatever. And he was, it was 730 in the morning and he was probably just like, I'm trying to keep the party going. Let's keep having fun. Which like, if I was ever in a situation where somebody was like, I'm going to go hang off the balcony and count how many seconds I can hold on. No. No. Because you know what? Even if you can hold on for a long time, if I count up to 60 and you've hung on for one minute, what is your plan to get back over the rail? Are you expecting your four friends to hoist you back over? Because your arms are going to be tired by then by the time you give up. I can't even do a pull-up, so no. <laughs> I can't imagine any of that. It's bad planning. It's 7.30 in the morning? 7.30 in the morning. I never want to be past... Th- I never want to be up past 3 a.m. No. No. Nothing's more depressing than having a late night out and then seeing the sun come up. I don't like to see the sun come up anymore. When I was younger, that was awesome. Right, now, yeah. As now adult, I just go, it's depressing. Oh, God, my whole next day is fucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so, and that's the thing, too, is a lot of these incidents happen super early in the morning. It's like... You know, Party time. They said, you know, between uh, 10 and 7, but most of them happen between 3 and 7 a.m. So you can kind of imagine what it must be like to stay in these hotels. It must be rowdy. It is I like, like spring breakers. 5 o'clock in the morning and people are still screaming and saying, hey, count how many seconds I can hang off the balcony. Splat. <laughs> but I see those videos all the time online of like, not let me hang off the balcony, but like, let me hang off this cliff and all of those. Mm-hmm. Let me do a handstand on a ledge. Maybe that guy saw all those videos too. 
No, thank you. Uh, so after so many similar events, as a precaution, now when receptionists see a group of young people arrive, they try to put them in rooms on the ground floor instead of on higher floors, which is pretty brilliant. Uh, in a lot of instances where people died, though, they were described as having been visiting friends from another hotel or sneaking into other rooms in their same hotel. So obviously it's smart that they're trying to assign lower floors, but not foolproof. And also I'm sure that like at the height of holiday season, most people checking in are going to be young and looking to party. So at some point they have to start assigning people to higher floors anyway. So, you know, they'll probably assign the lower floors to like when groups of like five people show up. But then eventually, as the day goes on, other groups of, you know, big, rowdy, young people show up. Yeah, you're going to have to use the rooms upstairs. Yeah. I just feel like, I don't know. Do you put fences on the balconies? Well, I'll get into that a little bit. I was going to say, what's the liability insurance on these places? Mm. Uh, So, here we go. Many hotels in the affected region have also responded by increasing the height of the walls on their balcony though it doesn't seem to have made much of a difference, according to the articles I read. So often, I would read an article about somebody who had died jumping or falling off a balcony, uh, and then it would say, and the hotel had just recently increased the height of their balcony to four feet instead of three. So they had already increased the balcony, and then people were still falling off of them. So I don't know how high you would have to raise it, I think eventually you would just block off the entire balcony and it would just become part of the room. Yeah, I guess when you're determined to do something stupid, you're determined. Yeah. Uh, so in the resort town of Magaluf, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Magaluf. <laughs> uh, it's M-A-G-A-L-U-F. And I do know that it's like a resort town that is on the island of Mallorca. So it's a little village within... Fines of 600 euros to 1,500 euros have been instituted for the offense of balconing, which not only targets the person who's balconing, but also deems anyone helping or encouraging someone to do so as being responsible and liable for a fine as well. So if you're on a lower balcony and you're telling some guy above you like, yeah, just jump down, you can definitely get fined as well. In my opinion which is super important and I'm an expert in everything. Uh, I don't know how much fines will ever help because you have to consider that the highest level consequence of balconing is that you could die. So if you could potentially lose your life and people are still doing it, what the fuck do they care about like 600 euros, right? And they probably think they're not going to get caught. Like, I will get caught. Yeah, and they're so wasted that it's not like they're stopping to consider the consequences of like, do yeah. I have 600 euros to spare if I get caught? Mm. Uh, and another consequence that should be put people off of the idea is the cost involved with the medical bills if you do fall off of the balcony and not actually die from it. So Does your legs shatter and you just can't your, walk again? You know, just cracking your skull open, shattering your vertebrae. Vertebra? I don't know. Travel insurance will not cover you if you decide to drunkenly plunge into did the pool. You call, did you call your local insurance agency to check? I said, uh, I, I'm calling for a friend. I'm not going to do Hi, this. Hi, travelers. I'm calling for a friend. If I uh, participate in balcony, break an ankle, a say, leg. Uh, say I'm just going to jump from my balcony to the pool because I'm in a real hurry. I'm in a real hurry. i got time to take the elevator. 
The medical costs of the tourists injured in cases recognized as balconing are an average of 32,000 euros per case. Uh, so speaking of, well, this is just bad. Speaking of fines and medical bills. I don't know, this is going to be even worse. I mean, I just watched my friend die as he wants me to do a 10 second countdown. And Yeah. So this guy was really special. I came across one really extra fun case where an Irish tourist to Mallorca, he fell from his balcony, which was on the sixth floor, while taking a shit. <laughs> Wait. What? But apparently, for whatever reason, around 3.30 in the morning, this unnamed 21-year-old male, of course, what woman would shit off of her balcony? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, so he was, like, trying to hang off to poop. He thought it was a great idea to hang his butt over the edge of the balcony and take a dump. Maybe somebody was using his bathroom. And he I was really like, maybe you won't wake up your, your, your roommates. He was dying for it. Uh, so he must have lost his balance, uh, likely because he was probably wasted out of his mind. And he plummeted to the ground head first. Not butt first. Not butt first. <laughs> One Spanish language news outlet reported that he had serious facial injuries and also that he had fallen with his pants down right into the mess that he had made. So he oh, shit and then he no. fell into it. <laughs> so it, it gets worse in my book from here. They uh, took him to the intensive care unit at a local hospital where he was treated for a broken kneecap, which is just the, oh, the worst fucking thing I can That's imagine. all he broke? Oh, but he also had, like, severe injuries to his face. But they did say he was on the sixth floor, but because of the way the building was angled and the land behind it, whatever, it was more like falling 20 feet rather than six whole floors. So how do you explain that to the hospital? How did you end up here, sir? Why is your shit on you? Yeah, I was like, I was scared shitless when I was falling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, and I think the thing is though is that there were like witnesses. <laughs> they were like, yeah, he's trying to take a dump. Uh, just yeah, yeah. I just don't understand where that idea comes from. But of course, also if they got to you and your pants were down around your ankles, you couldn't really say that you just shit while you were falling because you were scared. Uh, your your belt I started on. shitting, so I unzipped my pants and pulled them down. Did I didn't it. want to dirty them when I fell into it. So the really bad thing in this case is that I don't know this could get any worse. <laughs> well, not not too much worse for him, but worse for everybody else. It was that he was brought in on Friday. And remember, he's in intensive care and he's got severe injuries to his face. He's got a broken fucking kneecap, which I don't imagine it's very easy to walk when you've got a broken kneecap. They bring him into the hospital on Friday. By Sunday, he checked himself out of the hospital, meaning he just walked out. He got he died, up. died, didn't he? No, he got up and he fucking left because the police had told him when he first got in there, they were like, you're going to be written a ticket for 600 euros as a fine for doing this. And of course, he also had hospital bills to worry about that he knew all of this was coming so he just walked on out, and it's thought that he got on the very next flight out to go back home to Ireland. He had two friends that he was traveling with, so it's likely that they, like, you know, helped set up the flight, whatever. But just imagine, like, his face is all fucked up, his kneecap is broken, he's in intensive care, and he's just like, fuck it, get me on the next flight out of here. And then checking in 
to the airport with your face all bruised up, cut, everything. You're limping. You probably don't even have a crutch because you What are you just... wearing for clothes? I mean... Because you pooped on the ones you had. <laughs> I assume those friends probably brought his suitcase and stuff. Okay, but I also did the exchange 600 euros to right now U.S. dollars is 660. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's not that much to be right. Right, but he he was going to have to I guess he had the medical bills. Yeah, the probably criminal charges. Yeah. I take that back. I mean, so now, you know, at this point, I'm sure it's a situation so, of like he can never go to Spain again or else he'll probably get arrested. <laughs> kind of like. He enjoyed that. He bet he tells it as a bar story. Oh, I bet you he does. Do we know his name? I wouldn't know. It says unnamed. I wonder, though. I wonder if he changes the story. I wonder if he actually tells people he's taking a shit or not. No. Yeah. No. He probably tells guys he's taking a shit. He probably tells girls he was like, leaning over to smoke a cigarette because I'm such a cool guy. Yeah, or saving a cat from the balcony next yeah. door. Or it's jumping in the pool. Man, people are idiots. <laughs> uh, so, needless to say, locals of the Balearic Islands are totally fed up with these kind of shenanigans. And uh, anti-tourist sentiment is growing and has been for you know years since 2010. On Instagram, if you look up the hashtag balconing is fun, you'll see pictures of posters seen around Spain that say things like cheap and cool trip. If you do balconing, you don't have to check out. And <laughs> quote, dear tourist, did you know balconing prevents gentrification, improves neighbors' quality of life, reduces the risk of heart disease, and is lots of fun? Oh. And uh, so as part of a joke campaign that balconing should be made into an Olympic sport, a Facebook page called Balconing Mallorca set up a league table posted to allocate points for injuries and fatalities, with countries ranked by the number of victims. And unsurprisingly, the UK takes the top spot on the table with the highest amount of injuries and deaths among European countries listed. How many? I think it was three in, three deaths for sure. And I think it was like six injuries. And it's like, it's a far shot between the UK and everybody else. The UK has, you know, three and six or whatever it is. Then like the next one, I think is Germany, which has like one, <laughs> like one injury maybe. Uh, so it's definitely a, a, like you said, a UK pastime. Yeah. So, a Spanish Redditor on a Liga Balconing 2019 post in the Spain subreddit commented that, quote, The English are always the favorites. They are the kings of Magaluf, provoking the wrath of Charles Darwin when jumping from the balcony. To which another Redditor responded, quote, Trying to compete with the English in balconing is like going for the sumo medal against Japan. <laughs> that is just about all I've got, but... One funny thing I wanted to mention was that I came across a lot of people online who were very surprised that America was not on this table. And um, any of the cases of balconing, injuries or deaths in Spain, none of them have been American. Can you think of why that would be? Because they don't go to Spain. Because they don't go to Spain. And when they do go to Spain, mostly it's like, you know, older people not going on like spring break or anything. And they're going to cities like Barcelona, Madrid, they're going to museums, they're going mm -hmm. shopping, whatever. They're not going to these little resort towns. Is balconying a problem in Mexico? <laughs> so, 
Funny enough, there is, in fact, an American phenomenon of balconing, and it just so happens that those instances generally occur at spring break hotspots in America. Oh. So your Panama, Panama City, City your Daytonas, your Myrtle Beach. <laughs> yep. All of that. thing about it, too, is that the older Americans who are not going on, like, spring break, and they're just like, I want to party and drink my face off, they're going to Vegas. They're going to New Orleans. They're not going, they're not flying across the ocean to go to small islands off the coast of Spain that they probably don't even know exist, to be fair. Yeah. So that is why you don't see Americans falling off balconies in Spain, but you will see them falling off of balconies in Daytona. The whole moral of the story here to me is that like raising balcony heights doesn't work. Charging fines doesn't work. Warning people about the risks of medical bills or death doesn't work. So the only thing that really works is for your town to just not be a spring break destination. And yeah, I mean, it's it's not survival of the fittest, but there's another <laughs> term that's similar, like, you know... You it's just... young, super ultra-drunk people. Also, I... There's s- more? There's no. more? No, not really. It's an afterthought. I was like, how many other people have died? <laughs> but, uh, no, <laughs> lots, but no. <laughs> um... If you're not familiar with what these resort towns in Spain are like, then I think a really good article to read is called Sex, Booze, and Tattoos, 12 Hours in Magaluf, which is written by Corinne Pertil, who also posted pictures to her Instagram from her trip there. The article would just really give you a sense of, like, how awful it sounds for, like, your average normal older tourist who is not just on a drinking binge, you know? Like, it just sounds awful. Everybody is just wasted, and they're just getting random tattoos. And there was, like, some whole thing while she was writing that article. It was right after there was some kind of situation where a news story had come out where some girl on a bar crawl was, like, doing sexual favors for beers, (laughs) like, along the way. And, um, what? yeah, so it's just a horrible free for all. Everybody's wasted. It's like rules don't matter anymore. Uh, hey, I'm on vacation. Like horrible. I, I would never, never want to go. When I was younger, like teenager, nineties, living in London, I wanted nothing more in my life than to go to Ibiza. That's where all the clubs, my favorite DJs were playing. Thought it was so cool. You could not pay me to go there now. Fuck all that. <laughs> and that's all I got on balconing. All right. So pesticides and balconies. Things you didn't know you should be afraid of. Buggy beds. I bet there's a lot of buggy beds in uh, old Mallorca. Oh, God, yeah. Those kids are not doing their laundry. They are, they're sharing lots of beds. Oh, there's probably more going on in that bed inside bugs. Oh, I'm glad I'm not young anymore. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll be back next time with more gross, awful stories. Hopefully not about people shitting themselves. But you never know. Or maybe. Bye. Bye.